1: The
0: Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again those up the middle. at the Derrick 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs.
2: This is the Salty Dogs Podcast. Right over there is...
1: I'm Jeff Ryan, still.
2: And I'm Scott Smith. Jeff, you see I gave you top billing this I s- week.
1: I know, I noticed that. And I feel pretty good about
2: that. I'm trying to help you out with your uh, Salty Dogs salary negotiation for yep. next year.
1: Absolutely. I am definitely putting this down as the bonus type Wait, thing for 2018.
2: You, you mean you're not getting paid for this? No. Oh, never mind. Never mind I, I said know, anything. I,
1: exactly. I figured that was the case. <laughs> All right, I, so, I want two jobs. I want a talent, and I want engineering, and that's I want true. producing. Yeah, so three. Maybe so, we shouldn't go down that road. All right, let's go.
2: Uh, so this is our fourth podcast. Mm-hmm. We've been fortunate to have some great guests. I know our fans, we can tell from the feedback, have loved that. We've had Mike Allstatt last week. Yep. We've also had Dave Moore and Rondé Barber. And today we'll have the voice of the Buccaneers.
1: Gene Decker. Coming up. Yeah. So
2: um, feel free to talk a lot right now. Correct. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you lose your voice because you're not going to have to talk a lot in that segment. What um,
1: well, we call in the business, we're licking the stamp. <laughs> because that's all we have to do. I like it. Turn them up and go. I like it. And get right. out of the way. So
2: we are recording this. You're you first possibly could listen to this on Wednesday. We're full disclosure, we're recording it on Tuesday. And uh, we know that Donovan Smith got hurt in practice today. We don't know the extent of it. Anytime a player's injured, they get taken in, the coach coach talks after practice right away. He, he by definition can't have can't, yeah. can't really have a full Uh, knowledge of the of the extent of the injury so we probably won't really know that until tomorrow until wednesday um so we can't say for sure how bad it is but what we can do is talk about the potential impact Mm. you know if donovan smith were to miss any significant amount of time i don't even know if
1: i want to go down that road well i mean you can't just it can't be sunshine
2: and rainbows and unicorns all All day jeff so we have to talk about the the unfortunate stuff from time to time i know how much you love unicorns i know um so Donovan Smith, if he's unavailable now, Donovan Smith, since he was drafted, has played all but 30 snaps
1: in three years. Which is crazy. If yeah, you
2: think and about it. I mean, one of the best abilities is reliability and availability, right?
1: It's best asset you can have as a player. So
2: um, it's a problem right now. Not only that, but also Leonard Wester, Cole Gardner, and Cole Boozer have all been out for several weeks. No indication yet when any of those guys are coming back. And I understand those aren't household names for a lot of Buccaneer fans, but we're talking about the depth. Behind our two starting tackles, especially Leonard Wester, who's been here a couple of years, and Cole Gardner was playing pretty well too. Uh, so now you have Mike Leadkey being pressed into Lidke being pressed into and, yeah. action at left tackle. And he's done he's done it in the first two games.
1: Right. And he also did it during practice. So that I means yeah, he, he is, he yeah. is now. Uh,
2: but until we used him in that capacity in Miami because we had so many players injured on the offensive line he hadn't really practiced it that much. So it's a it's a real testament to him. It certainly is going to help him in his NFL career maybe this year down the road to have that sort of versatility. And the fact that he's the guy they think of to put at left tackle rather than any of the other young guys certainly says something about his chances.
1: And it's training camp and what do they always say? Be ready for your opportunity. Right. You got to seize You've it. You've got to go. So that's the good part.
2: Another guy's getting an opportunity, but I can't I can't have I have a hard time feeling good about this jeff if if donovan misses any time that's a problem that would yes. be the most significant thing that has happened so far this preseason
1: especially so early it's uh, because there's so much hope right now for the offensive line well
2: yeah and, and you got to deal with uh, uh, cameron jordan in week 1 and all those philadelphia pass rushers and pittsburgh's 3-4 which is usually a problem for us the, the beginning of the year is not easy and if you were without your left tackle, you know how important this is, Jeff. Remember when Tony Dungy was having his press conference for Ring of Honor last week, uh-huh. and he, we were surprised that he said he thought we would have won that uh, that NFC Championship game 99. in St. Louis if Paul Gruber and and and. Uh, um, Jason Odom weren't both
1: injured. And if everybody, if you don't remember, Paul Gruber went out in the game, last game of the year in Chicago Broke his leg and never played again. That was the end of his career. It's and one- it was so sad yeah. in that aspect.
2: We know that Paul, he's been back here for yes. his ring of honor. We know he's he's doing great, oh, loving yeah. life. There's nothing wrong. But it's it was a sad series because he had lived through so many bad seasons. He'd been a rock all that time. And then he gets to be part of the turnaround. And then he breaks his leg in the last preseason game. and I mean, regular season game doesn't get to play in the in the playoffs. As
1: much interaction that I've had with Tony throughout the years, that was the first time I ever heard that. He doesn't say things like that no, very often. No, no. And, and to say that so, we would have won. Going to his grave, he believes they would He win. said that. He yes. actually used that phrase. Yes, which is pretty uh, yeah. strong.
2: So the point of all that was you lose your, your starting left tackle. You don't normally have somebody waiting in the wings who's – nearly as good as that guy
1: and what everyone doesn't what everybody thinks it's not like fantasy football when you're on your own you just start looking for (laughs) it just doesn't happen somebody'll just
2: trade us a left tackle
1: and if you have a really good left tackle you're not you're he's not out there floating around
2: right now. no no absolutely not
1: um so
2: let's not be all downer no but and first of all this is just what could be right we may find out he's out for a week or two, no big deal. Might be nothing. It's, right.
1: a, it's a conversation of what if.
2: Right. So uh, we we hope that that will be a moot point.
1: Yes, we will we'll be so wrong.
2: Next time we're uh, Salty Dog's number five.
1: Mm-hmm. Salty Dog's number four, Jeff. I, I think we made it. It feels pretty good, but yep. it is preseason, and, you know, the cuts aren't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think
2: it, here's a good indication that we made it. When we get the letters at the end, uh-huh. I had more this week than we could possibly really? have time for. So, you so can, that shows me we made you it.
1: You can bamboozle me more than uh, yeah,
0: than didn't. ever because Here I we have go. not right. seen We're not these. even there yet. Well, I understand. I understand. Um, All right.
1: One of, the, one of the things I did want to say is uh, last week we were in Tennessee, and I I really like when we do – joint practices yeah, even if you have to live in a hotel for a even week. if i have to live in a hotel for a few days mm-hmm. i i yeah it, it gives gives me an opportunity to go ahead and look at how we stack up against another team and i i i think the titans are a good football team yeah. and i thought we we did real well against. well a couple in not particular not even the game i'm just right. talking one-on-ones
2: a couple in particular jason pierre paul we've been raving about him out here but if he beats one of our guys you're like oh mm, that's yeah good and that's our guy when he threw taylor lawan around Um, he's a good left tackle. And we're not saying he killed him on every snap, but we saw the video evidence he killed him on that one. And and, uh, that was impressive and felt good. 100% good. You didn't have to say, well, it was against one of our own guys.
1: And Dirk Cutter even made a comment that they knew what kind of player they were going to get. But now with JPP – He's finding out pleasantly surprised, or not really surprised, just really excited, what a great teammate he is and what a great locker room guy he is. And and today so after practice,
2: we had the Special Olympics out here, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of players interacting with them and helping with a little camp. JPP apparently was like the ringleader of the he whole thing. He was
1: unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So
2: we're just finding out one good thing after another about that guy. Another guy that dominated in Tennessee was Mike Evans. Crazy. Do you feel like he's poised for a huge year? Yes.
1: The, he has something – He internally, I believe, he has something to prove. Not to anybody else, yeah. but to himself. I would think the only thing that that could
2: suppress his numbers a little bit is if they keep calling him on the, the push-off. And it's so frustrating. I know it's frustrating for him. Anytime he's locked – you know, he's running around in the end zone, the cornerback the, the has his arms and his hands engaged with him. And when the pass is coming, Mike has to disengage to get his hands up to catch it, and they always call that – a push off, and I think half the time it's not.
1: Well, he has a tendency to do a push off, so well, he's, he's gonna, strong. He's strong. He's going to get that call, but he doesn't have to do that if he goes up. We have this discussion all the time during the broadcast. Dave Moore brings it up. Well, yeah, he would know. Then in, he's it's they're going to call that on you every time, so you have to do go more release up. You have to disengage
2: re- without pushing away. God, it's so hard to and, do. Though.
1: And and he has to learn that because that is going to be called. Every time against him.
2: Well, then they will flip it around. Then maybe that's a way he could take his game to another level. Then I was saying that could be an Achilles' heel, and in fact, it could be yep. another step forward game for changer.
1: Him. Game changer.
2: So um, we, you know, we talked one of these last few weeks about how the the preseason record doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to be two and zero, oh, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. It's just better than being zero and two. It feels better. But let's look at some... I brought the stat sheet down. from. So let's so let's look at some of these numbers and decide, do they mean anything or not? Does that sound good to you? It works for me. It's a new exercise Stats here. are for losers, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> I disagree with that. Um, third downs on defense, 8 of 27, Does that mean anything? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it's it's one of the big stats that we have to improve this year, right? So that's good. But... I think, this, I think this one does mean something. Keeps
1: drives going.
2: Well, but what I'm saying is it's a preseason stat, but doesn't mean anything. I think that we have seen that when we've had first team against first team, our guys have been good on third down. The coverage is better, clearly, mm-hmm. and there's more pressure. The sack numbers are definitely not through the roof three through two games, but I feel like there's been more pressure overall. Agreed. So the plays are happening quicker, and, and we're breaking them up, and we're forcing them to uh, throw the ball underneath on third and long and tackling.
1: I cannot disagree.
2: Okay, so that number means something then. How about, um, how about Chandler Catanzaro being 5 of 6 on field goals?
1: Considering the number of games that perhaps we would have won with a field goal or two, I think it's that huge. That means something. I think it's huge.
2: Because a field goal in preseason, there's nothing really different. Than and the, the one he preseason.
1: missed was a 53-yarder. Right. So and the, that's a 50-50 chance hitting a 53-yarder. Yeah. So I, I think that's a vast improvement at where we were.
2: Um only two sacks allowed through two games. I don't know if that one means anything yet because there's so many players coming in and out. It's a good number.
1: It's a great number because your quarterbacks aren't getting bounced around in the preseason.
2: One interception by our defense so far. I, I think that number means something and and it was a garbage time one in Miami. I think Ryan we need Smith. more. Yeah, I mean I would have thought we'd have a couple picks by now.
1: Especially the way they have a tendency in the preseason. But again, you're not game planning. You're just that's playing. true.
2: That's very true. Um, how about Justin Watson with a team on seven <laughs> catches for four yards?
1: That was crazy.
2: I think that means something. Yes. it means something for him.
1: Means something for he's him. in a big battle. Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, Seventeen penalties through two games. It's a little high. I don't think it means anything. Preseason, you got so many guys playing. They're trying to figure it out. You got some new rules.
1: But I find it that it's we, not. It's I don't.
2: Our I opponents have eighteen,
1: I don't think we've had helmet to helmet. No,
2: we've had two called on our opponents. We have not been we, guilty. we have yet.
1: not been so so that concerns me that to me that's a lot of penalties, but a lot of penalties are going on.
2: well, they're procedural stuff and things mm-hmm. and oh. that's
1: where and that's those are the penalties that you can't have Let me, yeah, that's right Miami, where miami, the team is very crisp, very crisp compared to. Yeah. in the Tennessee game. However, that Miami game did have
2: the one big pass interference on Ryan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, like, that's in contrast to what you just said. You, you can't do anything about that. Because mm-hmm. that was a judgment call. I know that I think I think our coaches thought it was not a good call. But you can't really eliminate those. But you can eliminate false starts. And so, and there haven't been too many of those. Mm-hmm. The two penalties that uh, were called on our opponents for lowering the head to initiate contact, one in Miami, one in Tennessee, both of those penalties were somewhat instrumental in those drives ending up being points. The one came after Mike Evans' big catch, got us in field goal range, and we didn't get any closer and got a field goal. We wouldn't have got that field goal without it, maybe. And then in Miami, it was a big head start at the, at the beginning of a touchdown drive led by Ryan, 88-yard touchdown drive. So somebody asked at a, the, one of Coach Carter's post-practice press briefings the other day, and I thought it was a good question – Um, do you think that this rule could lead to an increase in scoring? Because there's going to be a lot of drives that are helped out by penalties like those two were. And I think that's a valid point. And and Dirk's right in his response. He's like, we don't know yet. There's not enough evidence
1: yet. I think after it's over with, I think uh, if I had to guess, I would say yes. So everybody's worried about
2: about what that rule is going to do to the game and how players are going to handle it and I,
1: I think that rule changes during the regular season. And really? what I what I mean this is my personal opinion, and what I mean by changes is is how it's called, because it's an interpretation. I think it's being called more in the preseason to put players on alert that this is this is what's going to happen. And in four games, hopefully you won't see it as much. I think I think it was some kind of crazy like there's like fifty three uh, penalties for I, I was Already? reading something, yeah, on on the helmet rule.
2: Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and they kind of said. That... I
1: mean I I, I saw uh, I saw something on that and it made me go Wow, that's a lot. I, I think so I'm you, correct.
2: I can't hold you to that exact number, correct. but there's been a lot of them. A other. lot of them. So your idea is, and I find it intriguing, that the season's going to start, there's going to be a lot of confusion, uh, some calls people aren't going to understand, and at some point they're going to have to sort of uh,
1: smooth it out
2: Smooth it out and tell tell the rest to start interpreting it this way or stop calling, calling well, these types of hits.
1: You can't go, you know when you see it. That's not true because everybody sees it differently. That's a good point but that's the, the 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 answer usually is you'll you know when you see it now a blatant hit uh, and there have been a few that's the point that's when the you point. say you
2: know when they see it it's they're talking about those really obvious ones that would have been flagged already it's 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 in the gray area i mean that's the same thing as the catch rule they said that definitely was not the case before they changed the rule this year that what looked like a catch to you and me sitting at the sports bar mm-hmm. isn't a catch. No. And they and they made a point this year. I think they listened to the fans. They're like, we're going to simplify this. And and now I think it's going to be a lot more like, if it looks like a catch, it's probably going to be a catch, right? Uh, maybe that's what will happen with this rule as well.
1: And also, the league is coming out with a new video for the players. This is a big concern. A new, a new video is going to come out showing uh, a little better of what a helmet is, what – you know what a penalty is, so they vi- they can visualize mm-hmm. what's going on. They're going to visually see it, and we have already seen one video the NFL sent out. We have access to that. A new one is coming out.
2: Yeah, well, I think they've had several new ones already. No, I'm Camp talking started. about
1: in the next week. Oh, another and, one. Yes. They're going to put out one every week, probably. Well, yeah, I think, I, and I I think it's just an educational process of if you keep talking about it, it'll eventually kind of go away. Okay. Hopefully, um, my biggest concern is I think it's changing the game i i I understand all the safety and i'm all for all of that but i i think when you're going full speed sometimes things happen it yeah it it is a violent sport yeah all right all right jeff
2: before we finish this part up because we want to get to gene right Mm -hmm. we want to hear some stories
1: i need to rest my voice
2: (laughs) give me a player let's each do this give me a player uh that you've been impressed with so far and you want to see him keep it going in the next two preseason
1: games a player that I, I'll tell you, a player I want to see get it going even more, and that's Ronald Jones. Yeah, I really to want to see that. I, I've, he, he, there's a slight little bit of, and I don't, kind of go back a little bit is Warwick Dunn, that small guy that kind of you know goes down the line and then goes through, mm-hmm. and I think he can do that. I just think he's he's not going as He's not up to speed to the NFL game yet. Hmm. Does that make sense? It,
2: well, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, mean, I, I don't know if I. And, uh, if because if I'm he has to page. realize he's
1: got to go down and go up faster. It doesn't. It. It's not. It's not like college ball. You're not. Right. You're not going to outrun somebody here.
2: Yeah, you know how many uh, yards Doug Martin had when in his rookie preseason before hmm. he went off. He and had four carries for nine yards.
1: Well, that was an like, indicator. John Gruden barely his, didn't even use. Yeah, his, 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 uh, shoes went, his shoes went to the Hall of Fame yeah, after his first game.
2: 434 yards. <laughs> no, that was Cadillac. Yeah. So Cadillac barely carried the ball in the preseason in 05. Gruden didn't want to use him, and then he had 434 mm-hmm. yards. In the, so let's not read too much in this preseason stuff. Uh, but yes, who's we, have, your, who's we your haven't play? seen the best of him yet. You know, uh, I really like um, the little bits that we've seen from O.J. Howard. Um, I, I want to see more. I want to see him utilized more. I think he's primed for a breakout. He has two catches for 31 yards. He's so good at getting down the field and making you know, 15, 20-yard catches down the seams and so on. Uh, I just want to see that utilized more, and it will be during the season. This it's, is a vanilla playbook right I now.
1: mean, I keep hearing, yeah. So by the time regular season starts, I think we're going to see more of a two, two tight ends. Lots at, of two tight ends. Yeah. Well, because, okay. they blo- because they can block, because they both, because Cam can catch yeah. and block,
2: and it won't all be Cam and OJ because they like the two tight end set with Eau Claire out there too. And mm-hmm. then you can put Allen Cross out there, and it's technically a two tight end set, but you might motion him into the backfield as a lead back, or you might star him in the backfield and motion him out. Uh, you know, try to get a mismatch with a linebacker.
1: And if there's a game you want to see what, how how the team's really doing, this Friday's game or the game against Detroit, whenever you're listening to this, the third preseason game, it's the most. That's the one. It's the most funnest game in the preseason. <laughs> the the interesting thing about this game, the
2: last thing we'll talk about before we go on. Um, you usually know exactly what you're going to do with your quarterbacks in game three. Your your starter goes like halfway through the third quarter and then your, your next two guys split the rest. But because of the interesting situation with uh, basically trying to get both Ryan Fitzpatrick and James Winston ready as starters, you might see James come in and join the first team. I don't know in the second quarter or something like that, and that'll be different than a normal third quarter game. But you're still taking two guys that are starting caliber caliber players in the NFL, so it's not like you take a step down.
1: Uh, No, but it's uncharted waters. It really is. It's uh, you know, but
2: something the salty dogs are good at.
1: Yes, uncharted waters. Uncharted waters. So, all right,
2: we're gonna take a very quick break here, and then we'll be back with the voice of the Buccaneers, Gene Deckerhoff, mainly because Jeff and I want a break and don't want to have to talk for a while. The salty dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. Jeff, a podcast by definition is voices, right? Correct. So why didn't we think of this sooner? The voice of the Buccaneers as our guest today. I could probably just let him talk and wouldn't have to introduce them because fans would know immediately. Yeah, let's but see if they can Gene. get Well, yeah. okay, go ahead, our go special ahead. guest.
1: Talk.
0: Raise those flags. <laughs> Raise those flags. Wreak havoc. Fire them cannons.
2: That is, of course, Gene Deckerhoff, voice of the Buccaneers. Gene, you've got to call two bucks preseason games now so far do you got any uh, early impressions of this team? Anything that you think they're doing particularly well?
0: Well, you know, you know, Scott, you look back to last year—what would have, could have, should have been—and and we had chances to win ball games. I mean. Well, we had ten one 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 possession type uh, one score type football games, and so we won three of those, but uh, uh, we couldn't hang on to leads. And what I, I think has been the most impressive, of course, it's threes versus threes, but the way we execute the two minute drill. And I mean, obviously, uh, you know Ryan Griffin's the quarterback when we're in the closing two minutes, but uh, they work on that every day in practice. And I like the way this team handles the two minute drill. At least in preseason, and, and oh, by the way, we're throwing the ball extremely well.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point that I haven't heard anybody talking about. Uh, that was the difference in the season last year: is the ability to win those close games. Yeah, and yeah.
0: Well, you th- I, I, you know, Scott, is you've, you've been following the NFL longer than I have, probably, and, and, and that's why you're a salty dog, and I'm I'm, 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 I'm a pepper dog. Okay, but 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 uh, it seems like the, the, it comes down to that last possession of almost every game. Sure, there are a couple, you know, blowouts, but uh, not very often on Sunday afternoons, and it comes. Comes right down to that last possession. In fact, uh, I, I used to think that uh, hey, if you want to really watch the exciting part of an NFL game, uh, don't listen, fans, but uh, watch the last you know <laughs> last ten minutes of the fourth quarter because it seems to always come down that way. And, and, uh, and you know, we want folks listening to the entire broadcast, right. including the game shows and That's the right. game shows. Good but plug. <laughs> it always seems to come down to money time, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and you know, I know you did point out that Ryan Griffin's been the quarterback in there at the end, but Jameis Winston led a good two-minute drill. Yes, he at did. the end of the first half, and he's looked pretty good, huh?
0: Yes, yes, he did. In fact, you know, we, we forced the turnover, got the ball back, and with about a minute 50 to go, we get it down. I, I think we scored with like 18, 23 seconds to go. Yeah, And uh, that that was the decisive touchdown. You don't get that touchdown, uh, we might not win that football game. But, hey, we're 2-0. and and, Scott, I believe that that's uh, the 10th time in uh, franchise history we started 2-0 and in the preseason. That's something to sort of hang your head on. It's always better. You know, you get on that plane to come back home from a road trip in the preseason, and you've lost the game. But, boy, I mean, uh, that barbecue tasted a whole lot better <laughs> flying home after a win than it would have after a loss up in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, it's the first and 2-0 start since 2008.
0: Actually. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, try to make it three in a row. Got Detroit uh, uh, coming in here, and then, Finish up with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit. You know they're looking for they got a new coaching staff, a new new regime up there. You know they're zero and two. Golly, you look around the league, there's a lot of zero and two teams, but uh, then there are a few two and zero teams too. You know, and uh, somebody pointed out to me, Scott, uh, and, and he, I, it may have been on Salty Dog the Podcast Number One <laughs> or Podcast Number Two, but uh, two teams. That was me since 1978. Have gone 0 and 16. That's what we started playing. Well, I guess 16 games. So, but but since that happened, uh, uh, of- the two teams that went 0 and 16 were 4 and 0 in the preseason. So I don't know whether what what point I'm trying to make here is, but uh, we're not going to go out in front of one Buccaneer place and start dancing right now. We're going to have to you know take care of business, get down to 53 players on the roster and. And uh play the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, uh, thank you NFL uh, schedule maker, what a way to start, huh
2: I think that tells me we need to purposely lose one of these next two games <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but I think it I think uh, yeah, winning is good I, that's true. yeah,
1: well, I think you have to agree, Gene we, we spent a lot of time dealing with this stuff, and if you were owing to right now, uh, people would be somewhat upset and you can't put a lot of credence in preseason games, but you can take a look at some of the players and you can see, uh, the potential coming up right now. And on our wide receivers, you have to admit, Gene, it's been a long time since we've seen so many good wide receivers.
0: Uh, you know, it, uh, cut down date is going to be so tough for uh, for the head coach, Dirk Cutter, uh, general manager, Jason Light. Uh, it's just going to be tough, particularly in that wide receiver room. You've got guys that could play at this level. And you're right. We've got four, five, six, seven uh, eight. I mean, the, the guys that can that have scored touchdowns for this team. Uh, albeit some in the preseason. But, uh, you know, Sergio Bailey, uh, I think the the coaching staff is excited about what he brings to the table, uh, special teams. And he he made his first career touchdown catch in in a preseason NFL career catch. Uh, He looked good on a couple of catches on that two-minute drive that got us uh, the field goal to to beat the Miami Dolphins two weeks ago. But uh, Bobo Wilson was hurt, did not play in the game last week. He can run the reverse. In fact, I think the last couple of uh, of flanker reverses we've run uh, last year and this year in preseason, and they've been uh, uh, Bobo Wilson, you know, getting you seven, eight yards on that reverse. They like the way he handles that. He does play on special teams. Uh, he is a Florida State guy, by the way. But, uh, you know, Justin Watson, with his first career uh, NFL catch uh, against Tennessee, uh, not not an easy catch. It was put right there, and he had to make that catch. And you know what? He made the catch. And uh, he's, he's. I'll tell you what, you stand up next to uh, Justin Watson, you don't realize how big he is. He's not a little guy. And so you got, Mike, you got Mike Evans, you got Adam Humphreys, you got Chris Godwin is playing tremendous ball, Deshaun Jackson. Boy, great to see him catch the long ball. Uh, yeah, those are four. And uh, I, I think I heard Randy and, uh, and Chris on the uh, replay. I, I've watched the replay of the, the preseason games on television, but uh, they were saying the same thing. Good golly, how are you going to trim this down to five? They so, said those four are automatic. Then you got five guys that come down to one? It's, 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 yeah, we've, Jeff, we've got some really, really, really good receivers. And I'm going to throw the tight ends in there, too. Cameron Brayton, he just doesn't he just make tough catch after tough catch? He made a tough catch the other night at Tennessee, and then uh, O.J. made an, uh, a couple of nice catches. Good to see O.J. finally get a couple of caught balls, you know.
2: Jeff, you got us a guest here today that seems to know what he's talking about.
1: Well, you know, he, <laughs> the great news is he just said something that most people really don't understand. Gene does the game, Gene will watch the game, and Gene will also listen to the radio broadcast before he does the next game. I got you. That's how much prep work goes in, and that's why he's still the voice of the Bucks. And by the way, 30 years, Gino. This is your 30th season.
2: <laughs> Congratulations on that.
0: Yeah, Thank you very much. That, that, it just doesn't seem like yesterday. Uh, we had old Jesse, the body, Ventura, and Al <laughs> and me, and we're broadcasting preseason football in 1989. It was it's, it's going it has gone—it's gone along pretty fast, you know. But uh, yeah, those were the days, uh, Jesse. Hey, Major, how you doing? Well, I man, think there... was, that was some fun times, you know. And it's still fun, you know. Uh, I learned something—I learned something about the game of football every Sunday when I sat in that booth with Dave Moore. I mean, uh, I learned—I learned more football on Sundays than any other day of the week.
2: I think there's probably some Buck fans out there who think you're making stuff up there, but yes, there was a radio booth with you and. Jesse Ventura and Al Keck, mm-hmm. That's a true statement, and yep. it would surprise people. Yeah.
0: Hey, hey, Scott. It was his 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 tenure in the booth at the old sombrero, working with Al and Gene, that uh, elevated him to the political prowess that got him elected governor of Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take credit for his uh, success as the, the the governor of Minnesota. <laughs> now I'm just kidding, uh, Jess. And well, you should. He was a piece of work.
2: <laughs> you think he still is? <laughs> yeah. you know,
1: Gene. Other than the Super Bowl, which you know, we we talk about a number of times, what is it, which one of your favorite uh, favorite games or favorite cities? Something that that the uh, people who are listening to the salty dogs go, wow, that was really cool. What? What? Do you, oh, and one that well, you yeah, can you know, tell. Well,
0: 40, forty-eight to twenty-one is not going to get a whole lot better than, right. uh, than beating the Oakland Raiders in San Diego and. And I'll never forget that flight home. You know, uh, everybody's holding up that Lombardi Trophy, and I think I ha- I held it up after Warren Sapp, and Warren Sapp he, he was all over that thing, you know. And and so I, I somebody said, "Hey, jane, you weren't you weren't actually, your lips weren't actually touching that Lombardi Trophy?" And I said, "Well, you know, Warren had just held that thing." And I, 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 uh, anyway, <laughs> but that's my story. But uh, that that was a phenomenal, you know. It, it, it was it was what the last time that the Super Bowl was played where you had one week between the NFC Championship right, yep. game and the Super Bowl. And, and I remember that was a it was one of those crazy weeks for travel. I think the team had to you know, put everything together. In fact I understand that uh uh Coach Gruden, now this is what I hear, Scott, you you may may have heard uh, differently, but uh Coach Gruden in his pre game pep talk told the team that uh that the Philadelphia Eagles had already sent their equipment trucks out to San Diego to sort of pump up his team, you know. Yeah, I and, believe uh, Because it was gonna be that a was turnaround. True. But uh whether they did or not, whatever John told him it certainly paid off. We pounded the rock and beat uh Philadelphia, and then that that, that that game too. You know, you, you got to put, Jeff uh, memorable fo- football games. You got to put the NFC Championship game, uh, which yeah. got us to the Super Bowl, right? Right. I mean, that's one and one a because uh, hey, uh, Joe Duroviches on third down and ten, what about seventy yards upfield, set up our first score in the ball game. You you go, Joe. You go. You know and then Ronde Barber at the end when uh, McNabb drops back to throw they were going to make it a close ball game if they score and uh, Ronde picks off that thing and the entire city of Philadelphia shut up for the first time in 2,000 years and uh, we beat them and uh, headed to the Super Bowl so yeah, 1 is the Super Bowl, 1A would be the win over Philadelphia and, you know Remember Hardy Nickerson and, yep. and, 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 and they were sitting in the booth, we're broadcasting here's another Philadelphia story. We're playing the Philadelphia Eagles at Raymond James Stadium. And I'm NFL Films was filming uh uh that that game that day. They were doing a, a story on me doing a game on Saturday and driving down to Tampa on Sunday mornings and a crew followed us down to the stadium, you know, and they had a, a camera right in front of us and, and they were gonna pick up the gear and everything at halftime and uh uh, the producer up in New York City, New Jersey, where NFL films are looking. Says, well, it's a pretty good football game. Just keep rolling the film for the second half. And it came down to that tremendous field goal by Matt Bryant that, uh, you know, just shocked the world. 62 yards, and the uh, Bucks win, Bucks win. And I looked over to Hardy, and he was just sort of, he was speechless. I said, say hallelujah, Hardy. And Hardy said, hallelujah. <laughs> it sounded like Queen was singing a song. You know? But, but, but uh, those are three that just jump right out. Any Bucks win always stands out uh, to me, and uh, obviously the Super Bowl year was uh, one of the great ones, uh, uh Derek brooks uh, uh intercept in the past returning against cincinnati uh the three pick sixes in the uh, super bowl game obviously but uh, uh that was a tremendous year that 2002 season and uh, i think somewhere just down the road we're going to have another 2002 season i really do
1: well, i hope you're right you know one of the biggest questions i get asked is always how do you get from point a to point b and um you and i work very closely yeah, together do. on your schedule and yeah.
0: the funny yeah, i tell you that's <laughs> What's it, the closest... No more London trips. No more London trips. We Please. don't.
1: We... <laughs> there, Jeff, how close <laughs> is it coming? You know, huh? the last
0: London trip, uh, the team was already over there. Yeah. Uh, y- 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 y'all went over there for a week, and I had a game to do on Saturday. and I, I slipped out at halftime, and uh, you got me up to Atlanta on a little plane, and then... Uh, I flew across the pond. Car picked it, me up, drove it, me to Wembley. We did the broadcast, and I was pretty tired after that broadcast. But uh, that's probably uh, Jeff. That's probably the toughest one.
1: Yeah, and, and, that, and any
0: trip and, to Green Bay. That's sort of like going to London.
1: Yeah, and that <laughs> and first that, time that's ever. Been and bad. that wasn't and that wasn't a little plane. <laughs> You've never by
0: the way. heard that, Scott. That's almost.
1: Like <laughs> Actually, Paris, London. Yeah, the, Green Bay. <laughs> the, the
0: planes are a little smaller than the Green Bay yeah, than they right. are going to London.
1: Yeah, the easy. It's easier to go. It's easier to get them to a game on the West Coast. It's difficult. Yeah, well. Central time's the hardest one for yeah. us. What's
0: the
2: closest you've ever come to the game starting without Gene? We
1: uh, well,
0: we missed the first yeah, half of the uh, Washington, Washington, Washington game. I've oh, well, go. uh, got Josh. Right. Josh Freeman was a rookie, so that tells you Correct. what uh, when that was. But uh, yeah, technical problems and
1: and we've, ne- in, uh, and we've ne-
0: in Tallahassee and then uh, delay getting to a gate in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. the next thing you know, the the flight's gone, and uh, you got to get another one. And okay. I'll never forget, Jeff said, "Well, what do you want to do? You want to go home? You want to come up?" I said, "I want to come up there and do the broadcast." So uh, we were able to get up there, and uh, yeah, that's uh, a pro. Got the sad thing is, we were we were leading at halftime yes. when I took over for T.J. Reeves in the third quarter, and we through a couple of interceptions they ended up beating us up there so uh tj probably doesn't uh, maybe we should let (laughs) tj do that whole broadcast you know
1: well the the interesting thing also is that we've never flown that airline again so no no
0: you're right which (laughs) shall remain remain which which, well we never have and the funny
1: part is it was a hedge to do it and then afterwards we never have but before we let gene go one of the things that happens when we're on the road is uh gene texas me as soon as he gets on the airplane so if it's a 5:30 flight in the morning six in the morning he has to text me to tell me he's on the plane then he has to text me to tell me they closed the door and then he has to text me that the wheels are up okay. and he's headed to Atlanta when he gets to Atlanta he has to text me okay. and so I know I know where he is at all times gotta put a tracker on him yes we do well Gino you're gonna be coming down uh this Friday and then yeah. a quick turnaround
0: yeah, going um, to try to make it three and zero at the expense. I guess Matthew Stafford will work. He'd, I, I don't think Matthew worked the first game. He worked a, one series, maybe two. Uh, the second game, they're they're zero they're two. They lost to John Gruden, by the way. Oakland beat him in, in that first game, and then they uh, got whopped by the uh, the New York uh, Football Giants. I guess their second game. But uh, I think we'll see a, a, at least a quarter, maybe more of, of, of Matthew Stafford, and uh, uh, that guy's a, he's a heck of a quarterback. We we've had troubles yeah, we defending. Mm-hmm. Hey fellas, before I go. We talked a lot about the wide receivers. Uh, last year, our offense got enough yardage, scored enough points to win football games. We just could not stop other teams. Obviously, the stats don't lie. I mean, we we're last in, in sacks. We were last in total yards given up. We we're uh, last in a number of last in third down percentage. Uh, when opponents convert, you know, nearly fifty percent of their, their 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 third downs on you, you got to you got to address that. That's exactly what uh, Coach Cutter and, and 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 Jason Light did. Uh, I think our front four may be as good as we've had at least. It's of what I have seen, Scott, and you're there every day. I was there at camp for three days. I've had a chance to. I watched one of the uh, joint practices in Nashville. I've watched the team in two ball games. But it just seems with uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and uh, and Vinnie Curry. I know Bo Allen got nicked up. but Hopefully he'll be okay. Uh, uh, William Golston moving inside. I watching the video. What intrigued me was I didn't realize he moved from in to inside until I went slow motion and, and watched the video. But uh, he made some things happen against Tennessee. And if you get that flexibility, you get these. You get, oh my goodness. Let me tell you this: uh, Pro Bowl six times in a row, and we got a guy out there. There's maybe as good a tackle there is in the National Football League, and Gerald McCoy, and he's out there giving everything he's got in a preseason game. Uh, and, and then, alongside him, you give him some players and Jace, Jason Pierre Paul, uh, the coaching staff just can 't believe what kind of a practice player he is, how tough he is out there on the kids, uh, bringing them along, and encouraging the young guys to play at the level they need to play at this front four that we know we've got the best linebackers in the NFL now you 've got a front four that can stop somebody we 're going to get hey scott i 'll go on record right now on the salty dog. Fourth podcast right. and say we will have more than twenty-two sacks this year. Will you agree? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fairly. That's a fairly uh, safe going on that limb. I In fact, I, I'm really Let's, going on a limb. I'll, I'll see we double that this year. Okay, well, that's right, what I'd like go. to see.
2: Forty-four 45. would be a good number.
0: Yep, uh, forty-four sacks. We're going to win a lot of ball Exactly, and then th- then we'll send the uh, final record up to the Sporting News and tell them how we finish this year.
2: Yeah, and we'll we'll save this podcast for eternity so we can pull it back out and prove to everybody, <laughs> everybody we knew what was going to happen.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Gino. Uh, it's always good to be on with a salty dog. Fire him, Kenneth. All right, we'll
2: be back shortly uh, with your letters. That was Gene Deckerhoff, and uh, you know, always great to have him on. Best he can talk. About He's the cannons. best. The salty dogs, and we're back here on the salty dogs for our last segment. That's your letters. That was a fun time with Gene,
1: as always. <sighs> I love that guy. Uh, yeah. Twenty-eight. I, uh, it's my twenty-eighth season with Gene. That's and, amazing. Uh, a quick story: How I met Gene.
2: How I met you How I met Jeff Ryan. The
1: first time I met Gene Deckerhoff. The annotated version. Ready? In Vegas. Okay. I was checking out of the Mirage Hotel.
2: Had you been gambling all weekend?
1: Uh I was there with my wife. It was the Christmas you didn't weekend. The yes, I was. Okay. And um, we were che- I was checking out and I could hear a voice <laughs> checking out to my left. And I looked over, and this was before I was doing sports. I was doing country radio back then. Oh, that sounds terrible. And it, it was fun. Sorry about that. So I'm sitting there, and, or standing there, checking out, and I hear his voice, and oh, that's pretty cool. So then I walk outside, and um, I was like, wow, wow, that's that was Gene. That's pretty cool. You know, I didn't say a word to him. You knew of him. I knew of him because I would listen to the broadcasts, and he um, came out. And he was going to get in the car, and, and, I, and I went, hey, Gene. And he turns around, Gold Bucks, and he comes over, <laughs> how are you? And he was on his way to Chicago because they had a game. Less than 60 days later, I'm in the radio station, and I hear a guy walking down the hall. And it's Gene Deckerhoff, and he recognizes me right away. Uh, the reason why he was in the radio station is we had acquired the rights sweet. to that, and that's how I started there doing the job I'm doing now. So, and the
2: rest is history. There were,
1: and, he, and, he, and it was all leading up to the pinnacle
2: of your career. It is. The Salty Dogs Right games.
1: here, right now.
2: All right. Uh, like I said up top, um, we had more questions than we could get to, which is, I mean, I think... Showing this is really taking off, right? I like more that. people are listening and, and getting involved. Please send us questions anytime you want to salty dogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. I read them all. I'm going to tell you right now we had questions from a Brian Sanchez, a Kent Denny. Uh, Robert Munster, who had a question in last week that we're not going to be able to get to. Right. So, guys, we'll try to get your questions in future broadcast or podcasts.
1: So many questions but, we can't but, get to. Yeah, them.
2: but keep them coming if you want. You know, if you want to insult Jeff, there's more chance that I'll read it on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have fun with it. Okay. So here's our first one from Adam. That's the only information he gave me.
1: And do the disclaimer. I've not seen any of these.
2: All oh, right. That's the thing. Now I've, I've volu- now
1: you offered to no show... more wine because no. I
2: offered to show you these ahead of time, but yeah. you want to go in cold.
1: I want to go in cold. That's the thing. whereas I'm always prepared yes go ahead
2: I know it's preseason game one so this was sent before the second game okay and we've had some injuries on the OL and DL but should we be concerned at all with the run game both offensively and defensively Bucks running backs averaged 2.1 yards per carry Whereas the Dolphins running backs averaged 5.3 yards per carry. Somebody had a stat book with mm-hmm. them. I thought our depth was better this year on both lines, but this wasn't a promising start. Mm-hmm.
1: Jeff? Preseason. There I you go. Wait, One word. Wouldn't, re- wouldn't read anything into it.
2: Listen, it's okay. It's okay to be mm-hmm. concerned about these things because the running game was not where it was supposed to be, nor the run defense last year. And the Buccaneers made a lot of moves that you would hope, as as Adam mentioned here, would help that. And so until you see it, in action you're probably going to be reluctant to believe believe so i understand
1: and it's fair because you also have the the equation of injury so there is always a concern yeah. but 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 just what he's talking about no i don't i think and, and don't don't, think
2: so. don't seriously do not read anything into any of these preseason numbers and i'll go so far as to say the fact that we're leading the league in passing yards per game you can You can be excited about that, and we were good at passing the Mm -hmm. ball last year, but that doesn't mean we're going to lead the league. No. Okay, so it it works on both sides. Listen, in the preseason, for one thing, you have vanilla play calling. Nobody's showing the plays that they really want to use because they don't want it on tape until they have to. So we're probably not using our 10 best running plays.
1: And we've talked about this before. There's no game planning. We just installed plays. We're going to run it and see if we can get it done. We're up against you. That's it.
2: Yeah, normally if you were to play the Titans, you'd spend the entire – the coaches would spend the whole week figuring out what their weaknesses are, which plays would work better against them. Mm-hmm. You don't have any of that. Mm-mm. And you have a lot of guys – you had up to 85 guys playing in the game. You know, yeah. So you got guys coming in and out. Um, yes, we want to see it be better. Now, the other half of that, he didn't like the run defense in Miami, and neither did Gerald McCoy, so I'll I agree well, with I him there. But it that. was better in Tennessee. This question came in before then. The, the run defense was pretty good. In fact, the defense as a whole was pretty good, except – we had difficulty stopping the screen passes to the backs or the receivers. That mm-hmm. was the thing that Tennessee really hit us on. Uh, other than the passes to the backs, I thought we did a good job of stopping the running backs in that mm-hmm. game. I totally agree. So, all right, that's question one. We got another one here. Hey, fellas, have, fellas, have really been enjoying the podcast. Keep up the great work. Okay. Uh, My name is Dan, period, from Orlando. My question for you guys is, what recent game at Raymond James can you recall where us, the fans – really took over the stadium and helped the team out. Secondly, do you believe winning will help make Raymond James a place other teams fear playing? Do you remember a game like that? The problem is it has it wouldn't have been any time real soon, real recent.
1: Well, I think if you go back into the late 90s, any game against the Green Bay Packers, um, you, you would have the crowd uh, take it out. At one time... The stadium would be the old stadium would be filled with with a lot of Packer fans. Yeah, but that sure. but that changed a great deal. And um, gosh, if, if I remember right, I think John Lynch had a pick uh, as uh, Farb was driving down. Um, it, you could go to the Monday night uh, Rams game where uh, at the very end a it crazy score. It was yeah. loud. Um, yes, yeah, no, so there's plenty it of examples. Do, yeah, from that it era. May, the part the thing is. There is a thing called home field advantage, Mm -hmm. and you learn it more when you travel. Uh, The fans in Green Bay know to be screaming when their defense is on the field and dead quiet when their offense is on the field. But yes, I, I I do believe that the fan makes a big difference, and it's something players feed off of. They don't say it very often, but I it Did, it matters. Didn't Coach
2: Cutter say after the the opener last year against Chicago that the the crowd was really good that day? Yes, and that's usually a tough one because there's a lot of Bears fans there. Um, so there are there have been little hints of that in recent years, but. The, the team had a few years of struggling at home, in particular, and um, so. And then there was there were games where opposing fans there were too mm-hmm. many of them in there, mm-hmm. so the, it's been some struggles. But the second half of that question there is, could it be a place where other teams fear playing? And yeah, we've seen used, it.
1: Oh yes, no it used question. to be that
2: way. They mm-hmm. sold out from the beginning of the stadium in '98 through like 2004 or five. They sold out every single game, and it was loud. Hundred percent, it can be that again. makes
1: makes all the difference.
2: And in the world. and and make sure we understand, or we, we're clear that nobody's blaming fans here. No, that, no, the no. product right. needs to be good, and that will get this back. But fans that, will be there for sure. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: It was actually a lot of fun. Even in Tennessee, there was a small contingency of Buccaneer was, fans. Yeah. And near the end of the game, you could hear them yeah. sc- screaming because yeah. the the Titan fans You stopped. know who had
2: a lot of fans there was rookie tight end Tanner Hudson. Really? Yes. He had a whole – they were holding up signs at the end spelling out his name. It was pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I think he really enjoyed it. I didn't see he that. Had a good, uh, he's had a couple good days of mm-hmm. practice, by the way. Tanner mm-hmm. Hudson, that's a random thing to throw in there. Ran-
1: write that down.
2: All right, one last question before we wrap this up. Okay, hi, guys. Hi, this is Gary. He said hi twice. Yeah, hi, Buck, hi, hi. Maybe it's a um, maybe it's a British thing. Same. Bucks UK fan club member since 1985. Yes, really. Well, I believe that a lot of those Bucks UK guys have been fans forever. They're great fans. A lot of fun over there. And been coming over to see games since then. This year will be over for the for the Eagles, Steelers, and Bears game. Wow. Wow. In fact, there are 14 bucks. okay, this is an extended plug for the Bucks UK, but they're great, so that's All fine. But 14 bucks UK members going to Chicago. Loving the podcast, so keep up the good work. Some great guests so far as well. Tell me something I don't know. I
1: just It just dawned on me we're international. I keep forgetting the <laughs> Internet is World Wide Web. I keep forgetting this. Go I, ahead.
2: I have a question, but feel free to answer it on any of your oh, – no, whatever. Do you think that Coach K – I've never heard
1: anybody call Coach Cutter or Coach no, K before. No. I think that's taken I already. Think I'm, I think I'm going to throw that out at him and I see how like he that. goes to that. <laughs> He will not go for that.
2: <laughs> Do you think you will call any more trick plays this year? Personally, I love the flea flicker, but the last one I remember was seven years, several years ago. Glenn and Underwood.
1: Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks for all your hard work. LoveBuccaneers.com. It is our lifeline on this side of the pond, and that's Gary Bodily.
1: Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Charming bloke. We've, probably,
2: we've probably met. They come here a lot, mm-hmm. the Bucks UK guys.
1: I like it. Okay.
2: Do I think there will be more trick plays? No. No. I, I love trick plays. I don't think Coach Cutter will be listening to this, so I don't think I'll get in trouble because that's one thing that bums me out, that we haven't had hardly any trick plays the last couple of years.
1: But I think to have a trick play, you have to have the right situation to do the trick play.
2: I do not agree.
1: You don't, huh? You just I think, think you there's could... a place
2: for trick plays. I think you could run five or six of them a year. I think you could run the flea flicker once a year, maybe twice. All right. A that... fake punt every now and Yes, there's definitely specific times where a fake punt is a better idea than others. I agree with that. But I think you could run a. A flea flicker, if you haven't run it for two years in any game at any time, and it's it's going to probably work. My idea, what I like when you design a flea flicker, you know what that is, right? I do. In case anybody listen doesn't, you hand off to the running back. That brings the safeties up. They see it's a running play. The running back stops, pitches it back to the quarterback, who throws to what is hopefully Ooh, a guy uh, that's running right down the middle because the safeties come up. Sometimes the safeties don't fall for it, though, and that's not there. But what you do is you have an intermediate route, to the sideline, about twenty yards deep, and if the quarterback has to settle for that, at least you got a twenty-yard pass.
1: If you do a trick play and it doesn't work, is it's a trick play or is it just a bad call? <laughs> well, I sure you remember the two times we tried to play in the Graciano era
2: where um, our kicker mm-hmm. was was rolling to the right. And trying to throw a pass all the way down the field, mm-hmm. we tried it twice. Mm-hmm. It didn't even come remotely close to working. Yeah. So yes, your trick play design has to be good.
1: That almost went over as well as uh, let uh, let's let the rush lead. the let's well let's rush the quarterback as we're taking a knee. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's another we, great we, trick we, we, play. <laughs> I really smoked him on that one. But so, yes, I would say
2: um, those were pretty easy questions. I will be pleasantly surprised if I'm wrong, but I would not expect. I'll have a discussion.
1: When I see Coach K in the lunchroom, I'm going (laughs) to bring it up.
2: (laughs) You know, it was not a trick play, but I thought it was coolly designed in that Tennessee play. It was the play where um, Peyton Barber got like 18 yards running over right guard. Mm -hmm. And it fooled me because on the snap, uh, Godwin was playing. Chris Godwin was playing in the slot on the left. And right at the snap, he takes a step back. Nobody's doing that unless they're getting a screen pass right there. I thought for sure it was going to be a screen pass, but it was a fake screen pass and a quick handoff underneath. To mm. uh, So little play designs like that, they're not technically trick plays, but they're a little bit different. Like, like the O.J. Howard play that worked twice last year for big plays is sort of a tricky play in that he starts on one side of the line and kind of runs behind the
1: line and gets lost. And it worked twice. So those aren't technically trick plays, but they're tricky. But fans also have to understand once you do a trick play right. y- you're not going to see that again because everybody's watching for it for at least 4 or 5 weeks. Yes,
2: but that's still so you could run the flea flicker in week 1 and mm-hmm. week 7 and week 16. Couldn't you? All right. Couldn't you please? Please.
1: I am going down to coach K's office as soon as we're done. <laughs> coach K. That's our that's our big takeaway from we're going to call him coach K from. Those now. are all the questions?
2: Well, there were more, but we've, well, we've been talking for a long time. Well, except got... for when Gene was on. We right. Is it a good
1: question or is it a... do
2: not I don't, I didn't bring the other ones
1: down. Oh, okay. that's, that's it. For, well, right.
2: I do know what one of the questions was, and I don't have it written down here. That's I think like... it was from Robert Munster, so you can think about it for next week. Let's do a tease. Question. It is. Who is the mo- We're not going to answer this time. Okay. Who is the most underrated Buccaneer player of all time?
0: Ooh, That'll be good. fun, won't that's it? That's a great
2: one. We'll get to that next week. Uh, we will have another exciting guest. I yep. feel like we've kind of nailed it for our first four, uh, uh, and we'll have another game to talk about. And we maybe we'll have good news on Donovan Smith.
1: I can only hope. It's okay. fun. Thanks. Appreciate you. All right. Oh, wait. There's Since one you- more thing. <laughs> there's one more thing. The music's running right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Since gonna
1: you gonna edit this? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, keep it just like this. Okay, perfect. Uh, anyway. Since you did, thanks for listening.